Welcome back to Global Supply Chain Week. My name is Mark Solomon. I'm senior writer for Freight Waves. Uh, we're delighted to be joined by Chris Bjorsen. Chris is the executive managing director and lead of the Re Retail Industrial Task Force at JLL Inc., which is a giant real estate services firm based in Chicago. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate being here. Okay. Uh, we're obviously going to talk about industrial and logistics real estate here. Um, all of us, including people who aren't necessarily directly connected to the industry, know what the market's going to look like in 2022. The macro environment continues to favor uh, sellers of space. What will come out of 2022 that maybe we're not expecting, maybe will be moderately game-changing and might alter the impact of, of what we're seeing today in the macro environment? Yeah, so 2022 is going to be some of these trends that just, just started foreshadowing themselves in 2020 and 2021. Uh, my expectation is that you'll see more spec to suit. So the speculative developments, we're seeing increased in the pre-leasing and speculative developments to unprecedented numbers in 2021. I think 67% of industrial speculative developments were pre-leased. That's spec to suit, meaning clients are going to just going to be leasing them even earlier so they can finish them out the way they want them in 2022. That'll be a trend that we'll see strong in the first half of 2022. We're also seeing other clients, you know, deciding on just, you know, looking for vacancy in second and third tier markets. So they may have had a primary market in mind for this operation and uh, the primary market does not have the space available. And so they will go to their second or third tier options to, to seek the space. Explain to us what speculative development is and how it fits into the current uh, market landscape. Yeah, so speculative development would be where a developer is taking down a, a site and putting up, you know, often a class A industrial building ranging in all kinds of shapes and sizes from uh, 100,000 square feet, you know, as big as 1.3 million square feet in the right markets. Um, the trend that I mentioned was when uh, our clients are trying to get ahead of the game and they see a developer start controlling a site, we'll go in and structure a deal with that developer to build them exactly what our client wants. And so they've already started down the speculative process. They've had their entitlement, the zoning, they've have everything done. They might have even ordered the uh, ordered the building, the construction materials, and then we'll have a client come in and even lease it or even buy it um, and have that building finished out exactly the way the, the tenant wants it finished out. Last year was uh, noteworthy for the lack of supply of big box facilities. Uh, are we looking at a similar shortfall in 2022? Yeah, I would expect a similar shortfall in, in the primary markets. You know, that's where I mentioned if, you know, let's use the Inland Empire, which is extremely short on development right now, but Phoenix is ahead of the curve on development. So if someone was considering to be in the Inland Empire and they can't get the exact building that would they want, um, if supply chain would allow, if the transportation would allow them to go east to Phoenix to get exactly that building, those clients may go east to Phoenix in 2022. Is there enough available construction, labor, materials, 
to meet the demand for warehousing. Yeah, I think we'll see that shortage come to life in the second half of 2022. Um, I think the majority of the primary markets, Chicago, Dallas, North Jersey, Atlanta, um, Inland Empire will, will be, you know, well low of 4% vacancy. And you will see clients then go to, as I mentioned before, markets where they have availability, a Phoenix, uh, Cincinnati, you know, they'll start going to the second or third tier market to absorb that availability. Second half of 2022, um, we may be short all around and we may be thinking about projects that are going to delivered and delayed until 2024. 2024, did you say? Correct. So are, are we looking at a continuation of this environment for the at least the first half of the decade? Uh, I, I would say until the end of 2024 uh, is how we would project it. Yeah. So we've got, you know, basically two more years of this constrained type of market. Uh, and, you know, w- with that, there's assuming there's some type of correction in there uh, that changes that. But, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to see this tight market condition and trying to be very thoughtful on how tenants get into space um, here for the next two years. Did the pandemic pull forward a lot of those estimates? Well, you know, I think you have two things going on. I think the pandemic pandemic created an inventory, uh, the need for more inventory for many companies. Uh, so therefore, if you need more inventory, uh, you need more warehousing. Uh, and what also, you know, the pandemic did is uh, create some construction shortages from labor and materials. And so the supply wasn't able to keep up with the demand. And so now I think in 2022, 2023, we'll see the demand, re- you know, really supply desperately trying to keep up with demand and demand outpacing supply for the for these next two years. And that's that's why we're going to some of these other trends, right? You know, how do you you know, how do you justify the second and third market? Um, how do we evaluate retail to industrial conversions properly? Um, you know, how do we get in early on land that, you know, even wasn't entitled industrial and, and expedite that process to get it converted, you know, from other uses to industrial? Are there any innovations that can be brought to market that will ease the, the pain for occupiers and tenants, or are we looking at what Will Rogers used to say is buy land, they're not making any more of it? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think there's those innovations that are really focused on, um, you know, automation, robotics, innovations that, you know, we, we, we can use less space, less cubic space. Um, we can use less space uh, and often use less people. Uh, but those require capital and all those robotics and automation, they're on a lead time too. So those lead times, you know, you know, used to be six months and those lead times for those items are now 12 months. So all of those type of innovations have also doubled in lead time. The trends we've outlined here are, are not transitory. They, they are taking on a secular feel. Is it possible that we're looking at this type of market for the remainder of the decade? You know, it's tough to think, you know, I've been in this business now 27 years and to think that it took 27 years to get to a true supply shortage in the U.S. industrial market. It's tough for me to think that we don't find a way out of it or there's something that does not create supply to come back and get back to this balance. 
you know, when I speak about the balance nationally, that balance has been plus or minus 8% vacancy on about 14 billion square feet. You know, right now we're about 3.7% vacancy on 14 billion square feet. And so there's got to get back to add supply and there'll be something that corrects, in my opinion, in the market throughout the decade to get back to some, some level of balance. Will we see an increase in vertical buildings in, uh, where the rooftops are, uh, land is very expensive and it's scarce? Uh, will we see a boom in vertical construction? Yeah, I think that's inevitable. You know, you've talked about the land scarcity. You know, we've been involved in, JLL has been involved in many of the multi-story warehouses that have happened in New York City, as well as, you know, evolving on the coast. We're starting one here in Chicago. Um, so I, I think using vertical space will certainly continue to be a trend in the primary markets, and you'll see more and more of that. Following up on that, what would be the challenges in building vertically? I think it comes down to price, Mark. So, you know, challenge one is price. Um, you know, many markets, you, you know, you haven't seen rental rates and in the industrial rental rates in the 20 to $30, $40 a square foot. And now we've seen that seen that happen in many markets. So um, there's a price situation with that. You know, the other challenges are just the traditional industrial zoning laws on, on height of a building. But many of those over the years have been changed based on the automated storage retrieval systems we're seeing in the buildings that are 90 foot clear. Um, we just haven't got to the point yet where we're envisioning a 90 foot clear to have access for trucks and people, you know, across three to four floors to get the 90 foot clear. Uh, but we've overcome it in just about every market to store product in a 90 foot clear building. Now we're evolving to store people and product and trucks going vertically that high. So it, it's just an evolution. We, we've seen it, that evolution happen in, you know, in Asia Pac. We've seen the evolution begin happening in EMEA, whereas you said lands at a scarcity. So they're finding ways to go vertical. You mentioned the second and third tier markets uh, becoming more important as uh, builders and occupiers get priced out of top tier markets if they can find any space at all. What is the main challenge in making a, a go of a third tier market? Yeah, right now it'd be the underwriting. You know, if that client or tenant's not willing to be an owner, um, you know, has the investment community thought to be in the third tier market? Um, have they sort of done and willing to underwrite that? And what's the pricing they're willing to go to go speculative? Uh, not just to get something existing within a with a known tenant, but are they willing to go speculative in 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 the third tier market? So we're starting to see people willing to do that. And and given you know we're talking about returns in the primary markets at plus or minus four um, percent, we're starting to see um, investors and speculative developers say, hey, what about an eight percent return in in the, the second or third tier market? And that begins to look very attractive to the investor if they can understand the workforce and supply chain advantages of actually being in a third-tier market. And we can prove that there's tenants seeking those third-tier markets. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. 
Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Prior to the pandemic, there was uh, a lot of discussion of converting mall property to warehouses. Uh, In the wake of the pandemic, with more work from home and perhaps less effective utilization of retail office parks, will office parks become a legitimate source of property supply, industrial property supply? Yeah, I mean, legitimate source, you know, no different than we feel about retail. Legitimate source could be 5% to 10% of the conversion of those office properties will be legitimate. Um, and we feel the same exact way about retail because what what's the next functional use for many of those? Uh, industrial turns out to be a great use if it's situated properly in the community. And so, yeah, we think that that conversion opportunity will come. Uh, we think it's much easier in retail because it's a similar, similar single-story box than it is when we're thinking about office. Uh, the retail provides us with the land and the opportunity of conversion, um, you know, box-to-box type conversion versus uh, it's just it's more vertical conversion that you're talking about on the office side to make the numbers work. As you look ahead to the rest of this year and perhaps into 2023, what markets are dark horses? What markets do you see really just coming perhaps out of nowhere to become major players in the logistics warehousing landscape? Yeah, you know, I think the primary markets will be the primary markets. I I think the dark horses would be the ones that sit right now in today's world with higher vacancy. And so, you know, higher vacancy, meaning you have a vacancy in your market above 6%, which are still many markets like that. Um, you know, Houston, a Central Florida, I mean, there's markets in some of these uh, areas that still have above, you know, 7% vacancy. Guess what? They're, they're going to get they're going to get their fair share net absorption because they have vacant assets. Um, then I think the other dark horses would be the second and third tier markets that do have some supply chain infrastructure advantage, um, whether that's a port, whether that's an intermodal hub. Um, whether there's any supply chain infrastructure advantage with with a decent workforce. Decent meaning there's enough of a population base, 100,000 people or above to justify it with some type of supply chain advantage. I think those dark horses will c- come on and uh, you'll see those development, you know, some of these what I call spec to suit developments are happening there. Did you mention that Central Florida is an example of an oversupplied market or a market that has more vacancy than other desirable markets? Yeah, Central Florida on some of the stats has a little more vacancy than, for example, South Florida, right? Or a North, you know, a North Florida. You know, no, you know, no different than, you know, Milwaukee would have a little different number than a Chicago. Or Phoenix has has a different number than um, than the Inland Empire. And, and, you know, as you know, Mark, we're happy to, you know, send you the stats and, and, and get, get into all the stats of those markets you know, from our reports, but you'll see those in the reports on which ones have more vacancy than the other ones. So in near term, uh, given uh, no one's telling me they need to wait another year to find a place to put their increased inventory, in near term, they're going to they're gonna be some of the winners that historically haven't had that kind of net absorption in a market. What is your projection, and I know it varies from market to market, of the increase in, in asking rents for 2022? 
Yeah, I think we were probably plus or minus 11% in 2021 across the U.S. Uh, you know, and I think we'll be close to double digits again in 2022. 11%. You've been in this business nearly 30 years. Unprecedented. Yeah, unprecedented. But what sounds unprecedented, equally unprecedented, is this has legs. Uh, you know, as I said, it's got one to two years of legs until, you know, the supply or something cracks. Yeah, and that's Mark, you know, like I said, you know, you're, you're not doing, putting up a vertical building in a primary market without doubling the rent that you would ever thought would have had happened five years ago, because that's what it's going to cost to put up the building. And so those type of innovations that are happening, um, the, the, you know, the use of land with the building, right? Um, so um, a lot of these buildings have more land. So if you're putting more land into a deal, that rent has to has to escalate too. And so it's, you know, some of these factors, it's just not all per square foot to per square foot. We're dealing with factors that are changing the way industrial real estate rents are made up based on land coverage, based on the cost of construction. All of these things are attributing to what that net rental rate is. And so it's just, it's just not really an apple to apple comparison, uh, but the rent growth will still be there. On that note, we'll leave it there. Chris Bjorsen, uh, Executive Managing Director and Lead of the Retail Industrial Task Force at JLL. Thank you for your time and expertise. My name is Mark Solomon. Thanks for watching. Thank you, Mark.